Championship Leadership Podcast. This is your host, Nate Bailey, and uh, I got another incredible guest introduced to me by a good friend. Uh, you've heard me talk about him before. He's been on the show, Evan Money. Uh, but our guest today, Raina Rose, is the sole nutritionist. You can find out more about her at Raina, that's R-E-I-N-A hyphen Rose, R-O-S-E dot com. She's got a new book coming out here shortly. And so that's that's one of the big reasons we wanted to bring her on to help to promote that. The title of the book is Sin Tastes Good, which is just an incredible title, Nourishing the Soul in an Empty Calorie World. She's got a TV show on Roku as well. And it was just a fun, fun conversation. Great to connect with Raina. Before we get into that, you can go check her out again at her website. You can also check me out on my website, natebailey.org. Uh, if you haven't, please give us a, a five-star rating and written review at Apple, if you would, to help us to continue to get this in front of more people and to help to in- impact as many people as we can with the incredible stories like Raina's today on this show. So without any further ado, and to get right to it, let's get you over to this episode, to the amazing and the wonderful Raina Rose. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome back, Championship Leadership Podcast. And uh, today I have Raina Rose with me. Uh, she's currently in Flagstaff, Arizona. But uh, thank you so much for being here, Raina. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on, Nate. I just am so honored to be here. Absolutely. Um, was it Evan that that uh, connected us? Um, yeah, Evan Money. Evan Money. That's <laughs> right. Yeah. Thanks, I Evan. I love him. And uh, yeah, I talk about him. He's connected me to a fair, fair amount of people, but uh, Evan is amazing and he's one of a kind. So I uh, love Evan. Thank you, Evan. Um, to start this off, I usually ask this question to kind of kick the conversation off. Championship leadership is the name of the podcast. So what comes to mind for you when you hear championship leadership? You know what? When, when I think of, of leadership in general, I kind of think of, you know, if you're going to be a good leader, you, you teach people how to think, not what to think, right? And then adding champion into that, you know, just really being victorious 
in owning those thoughts and ways of thinking and, and going out and leading others too. So, you know, I think a champion isn't just a champion for themselves. They're really an inspiration to others. You know, it's, we look at those Olympic athletes and they make us want to, you know, run a marathon. They make us want to do these things. So I think being a leader is, is all about being an example. And then again, I really think a true leader teaches people how to think and not what to think. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. I like that a lot. Um, well, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and, and your story? I know you have a, a new book out. Um, Sin Tastes Good, Nourishing Your Soul in an Empty Calorie World, which is a very intriguing uh, title. But uh, yeah, tell us maybe a little bit of your backstory and how you've gotten up to this point and and what you're up to with the book and and the path that you're on right now. Yeah, so um, I'm kind of publicly known as the soul nutritionist. I talk a lot about nourishing the soul. I have a Roku TV show that I host called Soul Nutrition. And the tagline for that is, you know, we discuss the various ways of nourishing our soul and whether that is, you know, some sort of prayer practice or um, going out and doing good things in the world, because truly that nourishes us sometimes even more than what we're out doing. Um, I'm constantly speaking into, you know, living kind of that life abundantly kind of life and what that might look like. A big thing, again, in that kind of leadership, not teaching people what to think, but just how to think um, is don't answer a lot of questions because most people's answers aren't the same. So, you know, if I were to say this kind of prayer is the way to enlightenment or this kind of public service is the way to nourish your soul, that might not be true for everyone. And so that's kind of what the book speaks to as well is to really ask yourself new questions. And you have to come up with the answers. Of course, there's a lot of content in there to to guide you to what your answer might be. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, just like nutrition, you know, some people keto works, some people like vegan just is their thing. Um, and you have to kind of experiment with your body with a few things, you know, to feel what feels good for you. You know, I know that when I was a trainer um, and one of my friends that used to be a trainer with me, we talk about we'll do something for six weeks. And we log how our body feels, our energy levels, you know, our strength, our flexibility. And that's how we really decide if this um, new thing that we've heard about or this way of eating works for us. You know, he recently kind of not keto because he doesn't eat cheese. He just went to like basically meat and vegetables. He's like, I've tightened up so much. My energy is up. You know, I don't feel lethargic after eating those carbs. And for him, that's what feels good in his body. And he's going to test it for a few more weeks. And so I think the same is in the soul, you know, like some people just really love like fundamentalist Christianity. They like rules and they want structure and like, Mm -hmm. that's their thing. And then there's other people that like have maybe been beat over the head with that. And like, that was the last thing they could ever imagine themselves doing, but they still have this pull towards God and, and spirituality, but they want to express it in a way that feels more genuine to them. And so that's a whole different path of discovery. And it's definitely a more mystical, less answers kind of path, which is obviously the path I dig quite a bit more. (laughs) Um, And I, and so that looks different and it feels different for everyone. You know, like there's, I just don't think there's a one size fits all for just about anything. Yeah, absolutely. And um, yeah, I mean, especially in the, 
well, maybe not especially, but definitely notice it in the nutrition world, the examples that you were giving, like, you know, if you're a vegan and you're not a vegan, like, I mean, it can get pretty contentious between camps, right? (laughs) It's crazy how, uh, how uh, it's almost becomes like a team for, for people like team vegan or team keto or, or right. Paleo or whatever. What yeah. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. True in spirituality, you know, it can, yeah, like absolutely. I talk a lot in the book about like Christian spirituality, but it can apply to any, you know, um, Muslims have their different, mm-hmm. you know, sects and things like that. But, you know, sometimes it's like, if you're not a Southern Baptist, you know, <laughs> this, that, that, and you get like five key indicators down, well, then you're going to hell. (laughs) You're obviously not saved. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, definitely. Which I think is, you know, pushes a lot of people away too. So, um, Uh you know, some of that talk or, but I do love that as definitely as a leader, like, you know, I mean, as a coach as well and clients I work with, like, Hey, here's what works for me. You know, take what works for you, try it out, test it out. And, you know, kind of come up with your own thing that, that will suit you in your life and what you want versus just saying, Hey, this is the way we do it. This is how you should do it. And this is how everyone should do it. (laughs) Absolutely. You know, one of the things I think too, is like, you know, I guess we're all mostly trying to get to kind of this enlightened, saved uh, place of peace. Right. And so I, I, I liken it to, if we were all trying to get to Dublin, Ireland, right. You're coming from, you know, the middle of the country. I'm coming from the West Coast. Maybe someone's coming from Japan. Someone else is coming from Europe. You know, we're all going to take different routes to get to the same place. But for me to tell you the directions from Flagstaff, Arizona, and you to get to Dublin, Ireland, you're going to get very lost because you're not coming from the same place. And that's something I acknowledge a lot in the book and in spiritual paths is, you know, some people are coming from like, good Christian home that had good Christian values. And some people are coming from complete, you know, dysfunction or maybe an atheist home or, or had, you know, different experiences with religion or Christianity growing up that like just totally turn them off. And, you know, you have to respect where you're coming from. And that's one thing in the very beginning of the book, you know, I kind of give a, an apology to anyone who's been, uh, hurt by Christians, you know, and I, I'm always um, applying it to fitness, you know, so I say even the best trainers have a few problem clients, you know, uh, yeah. <laughs> like, um, and, you know, and if you've been hurt by that, and these words don't work for you, and I, you know, I'm going to use words like God and Jesus and heaven, use universe and whatever you need to use. And I don't remember if I tell this story in the book, but um, I got divorced, I got married when I was 20, not very smart. And divorced by 23, (laughs) you know, someone with two kids and like a whole, anyway, uh, you know, so at 23, 24, I kind of like ran from God. And then when I came back, I knew I, I wanted Jesus again, but not the way I had known it. I had known it as like, I got married. I did the right thing. I was perfect. And you are not, and I can judge you, (laughs) you know, like that was kind of my space before the divorce. And, um, when I came back though, for me, the word Jesus was offensive. It was like, Jesus loves you. What would Jesus do? Jesus, Jesus. And I was like, I just, I just can't. Hmm. Like, I want what that represents, but it's become so cliche and so like, 
you know, Jesus loves you, but I don't, and I'm not going to pay any attention. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And so I used Christ for a long time because I just couldn't get on that cliche Jesus. And now I'm fine with using Jesus, but so I respect that some people are coming from a place where like, that's not a word that represents what Christ came to represent, right? That peace and love and goodness and kindness. And so uh, if it's not like, use whatever word works, you know, it's actually Yeshua anyway. So, you know. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. What's, um, as I look at the book and the title, Sin Tastes Good, where did that come from? What's that, what's that mean? What is that all about? Yeah. So it was kind of one of those like aha in the shower moments, you know, like, uh, that's the name of the book. Like that's, uh, and it, it stems from, there's so much we do, you know, whether that's fitness related or lifestyle related, all kinds of things that we do that, that feel good in the moment, you know, like, and when you talk about pizza and people go, yeah, pizza, you know, and you say, well, how do you feel after? And they go, Ooh, pizza, you know, <laughs> like, um, you know, there's so much that like tastes good in that moment mm-hmm. that feels really like a bellyache full of, you know, heavy pizza afterward. Yeah. And so for me, like I actually had, um, I didn't realize till like really recently I had like a major gluten allergy. And if I eat gluten, I like break out with like 10 giant pimples for like the next two weeks. Oh, really? <laughs> Yeah, it's awful. And so, you know, once I started realizing that, ah, pizza, like if I have a beer and pizza night, that's not going to be worth it for like a good week or like good two weeks, you know? Um, And once I started like correlating the consequence of my eating pizza and beer, which many people can do. And again, that's why it's so custom. Like my. When you said pizza and beer, I'll I'll admit that sounded really good. uh, Right? It sounds good to me too, the the taste. Yeah. Just you know, like the, um, just very, very, not as frequent. <laughs> the looking like a teenager going through pimply puberty for two <laughs> yeah. weeks doesn't trump the not taste for me. Yeah. You know, like yeah. I love yeah. like, especially, you know, hanging out with friends, beer and pizza, watch something fun. Yeah. I'm all about that too. But for me, it just doesn't taste as good as the results are going to be for the next two weeks. The payoff <laughs> is not uh, worth it. Yeah. 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 And so, you know, there's so many other things like, I talk about donuts, you know, like donuts, they always look so pretty, but for me, and it's probably that gluten thing plus the grease. Yeah. I'm like, you know, that um, scene from like alien or space balls where the things like popping out of their stomach, you know, (laughs) like it feels like the aliens about to come out of my stomach in like 20 minutes, you know? And so like now donuts don't look so good anymore because they just associate the feeling and so the the whole book's really about gaining awareness of what your things are. And and I redefine sin not as a new definition, but reminding people, it just means miss the mark. And that doesn't mean that, that we need guilt or shame over it. That's it, like, if you think of being in an archery field and you missed the mark and you were like, oh, I suck at this. this you know, you just walk off the field. You're never going to get any yeah. better. But if right. you hit, don't miss the mark, if you miss the mark, and you just go, oh, I need to just go a little to the left. You're going to get more and more on target, which I think an on target life leads us to moments of what I call heaven on earth. Mm-hmm. Like those moments that you're like so happy. You're so yeah. like things are just fulfilling in that moment. I feel like the more we kind of hit the target and that's different for everybody. Like most people can have beer and pizza and be fine. And I yeah. sort of talk about like different uh, sort of addictions, you know, like 
a shopaholic probably shouldn't go window shopping, you know, like, but for me, I hate shopping. So if I walk by a bunch (laughs) of windows, like it's no big deal, (laughs) you know, uh, same with like an alcoholic shouldn't be in a bar, but someone who doesn't have that problem, it's, it's not missing the mark for them. Mm -hmm. And so that's where that one size fits all. Nobody can go to a bar and nobody can, you know, have a credit card, but it, things are different for everyone. And so that's why it's really about just like we talked about fitness, you know, feeling your body, feeling the places that hit the mark for you and feel great. Um, and paying attention to maybe that consequence for me, was like 72 hours later in the skin, you know, um, but it lasted for two weeks and it took me a long (laughs) time to correlate it because it'd be three days later that the consequence through, you know, came up, but, uh, you know, it's awareness that causes us to find out, Oh, you know what? It just doesn't work for me anymore. Right. Right. Yeah. And I was watching something just came across on social media somewhere, but it was this actor um, that was like severely overweight, 400 pounds. And he, he's lost a ton of weight, but he's, he's, I think he's being interviewed by Lewis Howes and he's just talking about, they're like, well, you know, kind of the question of why, why didn't you change it? Or like, why was it so hard? And he just talked about how, you know, it was just like this slow progression over time. Like my knees didn't hurt like right away. Right. They, they, they started to hurt just a little bit. And then over time, as the weight continued to come on, like you had major knee problems. And, and so you don't notice it. Like you, the awareness, it's, it's uh, depending on what you're doing and what, what the sinful nature is. Um, you know, there's the immediate payoff that, that oftentimes we are addicted to that, that even though we know there's costs down the road, we can't necessarily see them right away. So we're willing to put up with it, right? Because of that, that quick hit payoff that we get from whatever it is. The, the drinking or the pizza or the donuts or the whatever, you know, so. Absolutely. And then there's that packing on of the consequences, you know, like it didn't start out 300 pounds. Right. Right. I mean, um, it went from being like a little chunky, which, you know, I'm fine with personally, you know, like I'm more about like your general health, but like when, you know, being, Oh, you know, these jeans don't fit to a new size to, Oh my gosh, I'm 300 pounds and my knees hurt and the da da da. And that's where, again, that awareness mm-hmm. of like, oh, that didn't make my stomach feel really good after. I actually yeah. felt like bread after that happened. And that's one of the things actually in the book that I talk about, you know, it's not so much how you're, whatever the missing the mark is for you yeah. is going to feel great during, you know, whether yeah, that's totally. a pizza or, you know, going out and spending way too much on your credit card. <laughs> yeah. How does it feel? after mm-hmm. that and i have some stories from other people you know in there that they they come to me and they're like you know is this a sin and of course I, <laughs> i've gone beyond the point of telling people what their sins are and, yeah. oh and they asked if they should feel guilty you know? <laughs> <laughs> and so you know instead of answering like yes that's a sin you need to stop you know and we'll power your way through it mm-hmm. which never works we know this right. um, which is why someone gets to be you know three four hundred pounds is because yeah. They were trying to willpower their way and willpower. There's only so much of it. Yeah, um, yeah. But I said, instead of me telling you if this is a sin and you should feel guilty. Next time it happens. Pay attention to how you feel afterward. Mm-hmm. Does it give you the hit, the satisfaction you were looking for? Or do you feel like a little icky and awful after? And if it's a little icky and awful, then say, all right, I might need to aim a little more to the left, you know, um, or to the right, whatever the mark you're kind of missing. 
And that, again, these aren't questions that can be answered for you. These are the kind of questions that, you know, okay, that whatever it was makes me feel icky after what needs to happen to change it. And then don't guilt yourself if it takes five years to change it, you know, Um, the awareness itself will help the change happen, but the willpowering will only do so much, right? It has to be a change of why, you know, why do I not want to do this anymore? Why, you know, like for me, why do I not want to eat gluten? It tastes so good. Um, You know, because (laughs) I like having clear skin. (laughs) That's it. Like even I, I remember describing before I figured out what it was, I don't even care if I get a little chunkier. I just, you can't hide your skin under clothes, right. like your face. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and well, I mean, people think I'm young, but I think it's because I have pimples all over my face. With COVID right now, you can cover it up with a mask and you'd be all right. Do you know, I wish <laughs> it would have happened back then instead of now. <laughs> oh, yeah, right. Well, what's, what's the vision that you have for the book and the path that you're on? And it, the Roku show that you have as well um seems like those two are aligned what's what's the vision the impact that you want to have maybe even just in the near future five years from now yeah well you know it's funny um i was in beauty pageants growing up and then i was telling you about how i grew up in that international school in borneo and uh i joke but it's true is that everything I do is for world peace and you have to do the little hand motions under your chin you know (laughs) But really, I mean, I do think that having a more peaceful world starts with more peaceful people inside themselves, because it's truly how we judge and treat and um, hold ourselves that we often judge and treat and hold everyone else to this sometimes impossibly high standard, you know, um, or being exactly like us, you know, and, and doing kind of an othering, like, we were talking about, you know, if you're not this denomination of my religion, you're the other and you're out. So like bringing that awareness to people's hearts that like we don't all have to be the same and we can all be celebrated. And that was something, you know, I grew up with in the international school where we, we really celebrated the differences of everyone and how beautiful it is that we're different skin colors and different cultures yeah. and you know, even different religions, we celebrated where everyone was from and and where they were at. And I think that's something that leads to a more peaceful world. And as we become more peaceful, we become more prosperous, more happy. Um, It's just a snowball effect, but it really starts like, as Mahatma Gandhi said, you know, you have to be the change you seek in the world. And so it starts one individual at a time and within us. Um, And so, yeah, whether that's soul nutrition and soul nutrition, you know, is on a a network that is very different than I actually believe. And so I have people, um, you know, like I said, I'm much more on the mystical side of like, let's find the mystery in this text while knowing the history and the the theological side. But I, I lean a lot less to the fundamentalism, literalism. And as I search texts, I love searching like monks throughout the ages and how like, even Christianity itself has kind of changed over the course of history. Mm-hmm. For me, I just, I don't really, fundamentalism isn't what I feel from that research is like taking everything so literally, yeah. but that's the network I'm on. And I'm like, but what better place to affect change or just have people ask new questions 
Um, and so I've had Anglican monks on my show. I've had, you know, people bringing clean water to nations all over the world. Um, and again, just helping people live peaceful and prosperous lives, you know, like bringing people clean water has freed up time for them to start little businesses or just spend more time with their children because they're not spending eight hours to go up the mountain, get the water, yeah. bring it down, boil it. Um, and so all these little things, like whatever it is I'm doing, it truly is to lead to peace within people and peace within our world. That's awesome. Yeah. The, the clean water thing. I did a bike ride across America for life water, which was, uh, we raised over 300,000 for some schools in Ethiopia. So, but, uh, so yeah, it kind of hits close to home when you mentioned that. Um, yeah. Did they tell you the statistic that basically a jumbo jet full of kids under five die every day because of dirty water. They get diarrhea. No, I don't know if I really heard that one. Yeah. Yeah. When they, when he put it into like the perspective of a jumbo jet, a day of kids under five, That's crazy. you know, and they're just, they have dirty water, they get diarrhea and they can't. Yeah. I know. It's just something that we definitely take for granted over here, which, you know, I mean, of course we do. I mean, you know, why wouldn't we? I mean, we, we just have never known anything different. Yeah. Right? yeah. I mean, but yeah, it's just, it's a reminder that we probably take a lot of things for granted uh, that we have, you know, we really do have it pretty well here. So um, we can do, you know, I know that the one that I interviewed was um, one at a time water and okay. they have this device. It's $50. And for $50, this device hooks up to a bucket and gives a family um, clean water for 20 years. And all they have to do is put the water through the bucket and through the device. And it's no like way. 50 bucks. Like, I, I hope most people in listening to this podcast have 50 bucks at least once you could give a yeah. family water for 20 years. Yeah. Wow. On 50 bucks. Wow. That's yeah. amazing. And so we can do so much more than yeah. we think or know. And then, so like for the show, that's part of like exposing how much we can do, mm-hmm. you know, and what sometimes I have business people on, or I had someone, um, actually the people that are helping me publish my book, you know, like if you have a book on your heart, you can do it. It's not, yeah that hard you right. here's some resources or if you want to help the people not have a jumbo jet full of kids die every day you can make a dent in it for 50 bucks you know like yeah. it's, and that's part of you know you said leadership yeah is i'm not like saying you need to do this or that but here's some options and mm-hmm. here's a way to make a dent in the poverty of the world make a yeah. dent in you know the an intellectual poverty maybe with your your book gift and and then some resources to do it. Cause I know, you know, even this book process has been is sometimes it's like, oh, it's kind of hard. Maybe I don't want to do this, but <laughs> right. you know, yeah. then the resources come and people come into my path and show me how it can be done easier. And it, and it helps you just keep going. So that's kind of my path too, is like, here's some resources to help this path not be easy in the way of like, you don't develop the muscle, but right. just, here's a resource you didn't know about it and now it's going to help you open up. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. What is a, what's a critical moment that you've had in your life, like a, a fork in the road type moment where had you made a different decision, you'd be in a different place in life right now. I think, you know, especially 2020, it's a difficult trying year for sure. And there's a lot of people, entrepreneurs, business owners that listen to this are probably in that moment. And it's always powerful to hear others and how they've, they've navigated those times. Is there a moment that kind of sticks out to you that you could share that it's kind of that fork in the road critical moment in your life? Oh my gosh, there's been so many. Yeah, which um, one? I talk a lot about my brother's death in the um, book, 
he was my best friend in the whole world. And when he died at 24, that was a huge fork in the road of me developing empathy. Um, but for some reason, as you were speaking, that one didn't come up. The, the one that came up that like really changed my life that I don't know what ha- would have happened. And it wasn't my choice, to be honest, was when I was a kid, you know, things at home were just not, uh, not good in, in a lot of ways. And I ran away and I was at the bus stop waiting for the bus to come. And I was with some girl from school and we were going to Huntington Beach, uh, California. And thankfully my mom noticed I was gone uh, and called the cops and like came and they found us at the bus station. But later on, I realized that um, and was told that that girl was a daughter of a prostitute and her mom lived in Huntington Beach where we were going. And I think about that moment and had those cops not showed up two minutes prior, I would have been on a bus to Huntington Beach with a prostitute's daughter and who knows what my path could have gone to had I been caught up in that. And so, you know, two minutes changed my life. And then, you know, I got, I went again, totally, um, I was 12 to the opposite side where I like, I got punished by going to church, you know, and in the youth group. (laughs) And then got like so into youth group and things that I would be punished like that I wasn't allowed to go, you know. Um, and that's where I did go, I'd say a little bit too far to the right, but especially as a child, I think maybe that's a good place to be. <laughs> and uh, I don't know if you've ever heard of Richard Rohr. He's uh, got some incredible podcasts. Uh-huh. He's a Catholic monk and he's just got this really amazing view. Most monks do have a cool view on life. Um, There's Catholic monks. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. I actually go to Catholic monasteries all the time. Okay. Um, they're silent and I go sit I in so. like yeah, five okay. days. Amazing. But he talks about in the beginning, we have to have this like fundamentalist box to start out in. Like you need that, especially as a child. Like you need to believe exactly these ways yeah. and have a framework. But then as you mature, you can kind of start growing out of that box, so to speak. Um and learning more of the mysterious stuff. But as a kid with no framework, you can't learn like the mysteries of God because you need to know kind of the basics. And so I feel like I, I went way too far to the right fundamentalist, if you would say, call it. But yeah. at the end of the day, it helped me to build and grow from there in a more mature way. Yeah. 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 Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. It's interesting. You know, I just, um, Again, I came across a story kind of similar to what you just shared and just like literally a few minutes time um, really made a huge impact or difference in how your world ended up shaping shaping out to be of a guy that owns a gym and had his family in in the office close by. And and, uh, he, he ends up going to a corner of the gym that he said he hadn't been to in like the three years that they built since they built this place. Right. And it happened to be uh, the cleaning sink was running and overflowing and the water was about to go into this big electrical conduit that, you know, had all the power to the building. And uh, and uh, something told him to go, you know, he, he says that God, you know, essentially he believes that it was just God being like, hey, you got to go check this out. Something prompted him to go and, and literally like half an inch uh, before the water is about to hit the this conduit he was able to turn it off and and uh you know i don't know if it's necessarily a critical moment like what we're talking about where it's like this decision he had to, to make but it was definitely a, a critical moment that <laughs> but his whole family blew up because yeah, he didn't his, his whole family was dead is what he was talking about and it's like wow yeah. crazy. 
Not very interesting. Amazing. Like, you know, he just felt led to go to that corner of yeah. the gym that yeah. he never went to. Yeah. And it was something that he would, all of them would be toast if he didn't. Yeah. 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 It's a hard time. It's, you know, um, God works in crazy ways. That's for sure. So uh, yeah, it's been, ways. amazing ways. Um, so I talk about that a lot in the book too, you know, it's just like some of these crazy things that, you know, you can call coincidence or you can call God or yeah. you can call law of attraction, but things that people have told me, and this is why we were talking earlier about, you know, book writing and things like that. And it's like less than 2% of authors actually make any money off their books, you know? And, yeah. and yeah. I'm like, Oh, well, I'll pray about it. And, uh, you know, <laughs> before I became a flight attendant on a private jet, I was told that job would take thousands of dollars and 10 years of experience to get where I wanted to go. And really? I just kind of said, yeah, yeah. And, and it does. Honestly, like sometimes when people ask how you get that job, I'm like, they don't really exist. You just have to be in the right place at the right time. Yeah, yeah. But I just said, you know, I'll pray about it. And yeah. um, less than six months later, I was on the best jet with the best passenger going to the best locations in the world. And they paid all the thousands of dollars of certifications and zero years experience. Like it didn't take me 10 years. It didn't take mm -hmm. me thousands of dollars. Yeah. Wow. Um, it took me being willing to do the things that were on my heart that were weird, like go to that corner of the gym kind of stuff. Yeah. For me, it was like move to Houston, even though you've never been there before in your life, you know, <laughs> and you have like hardly any money left. Yeah. And, you know, just taking that leap, which seemed crazy at the time, but also like wouldn't get off my heart. So I felt it was faith. And one thing led to another, like one miracle to the next. I mean, I literally went with like, I had to borrow money from my dad once I got there because I only had a couple hundred bucks left in my account because I had just moved back from South America. I didn't have a car. I didn't have a secure job lined up yet. I didn't have a place to live. And like I couch surfed, which I thought was for rapists and serial killers. I was never going to do that, but I was so broke. I had to, you know, and I had this amazing girl. Like I call her my prayer warrior princess. She's like who I call up if I need someone to pray for me. And she like, let me live with her for a month. My other friend wow. in Austin, let me borrow her car for a year. She owns a kind of a car company and it was like a cute little Z3 convertible. And, uh, the girl I ended up living with, she's just like, I think you're cool. I'm going to knock a hundred bucks off the rent. Like just one little miracle after another, like the job that I got, I, and I had just learned Spanish because I moved up from South America. Um, it, they needed someone to uh, answer the phones in English and Spanish. So I did that, but being at the private airport, answering the phones in English and Spanish was what put me in line to get that job that I wasn't qualified wow. for. Yeah. And because I went above and beyond and I did marketing for them at the same time, I was working side by side with the person who did the hiring. And first he hired someone with 14 years experience, but when mm -hmm. she uh, didn't work out, I was the next, I was like, when, <laughs> the minute I met her, I was like, that girl's not gonna work out. So I was like, yeah. when, when she gets fired, I want her job. And he's like, oh, <laughs> uh -huh, funny. And then when the pilots called up and said, if you don't get rid of this girl, we're leaving. He calls me up and says, can you be in London on Saturday? And I'm like, Yes, I can. <laughs> yeah. Wow. That's so, you know, it was like this chain of events, though, that I could never have like planned the yeah. journey. But I did just take the steps of faith and all you can do is one at a time. And they're all mm -hmm. scary. And I tell you, I like wept Disney princess style into my arm like more <laughs> times than I can count. <laughs> uh, but, you know, it led to some of the best um, adventures of my life so far. Cool. Cool. That's awesome. All right. Well, I know we're a little bit over our time already. So um, let's wrap this up by just asking, you know, if there are one or two additional things that you could share that you haven't already 
that if the listeners were to implement today, it would help move their life forward today. What would that be? Silence and contemplation. Um, honestly, I, I recommend take a journal if you need to, uh, especially if you want to get your thoughts out. Go somewhere that no one's going to bother you. Nature's preferable. But I've sat on people's lawns before in their front yards. <laughs> you don't have to have it. <laughs> like in the corner where they, they don't know I'm there. <laughs> in LA, it's really hard to find any like nature. So like the, it was like kind of their side yard that was on the sidewalk. I will sit there. Anyway, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you don't have to have the ideal place. But somewhere where you can just sit. If you could turn your phone to airplane or not bring it. And sit in silence and just allow what comes up. If if you believe in prayer, I encourage you to just pray that God speaks and blocks out anything that's not of God uh, or, you know, the universe or the positivity, whatever you want to say, and just allow things to come up. And sometimes you'll get great ideas. Sometimes it'll be something that you need to work through and feel the pain and, and that will help you break through on other things. Yeah. But I really highly recommend times of silence. Absolutely. I love that. Uh, I do a lot of that as I run and I, I often have those messages or those prompts that come to me through that. But yeah, I, I agree. So um, yeah, thank you so good. much for being here. What what are a few ways we can get a hold of the book and, and, and just follow everything else that you have going on? Yeah, definitely. You can go to my website, which is www.reina, that's R-E-I-N-A dash rose, R-O-S-E dot com. Not Melanie or... Uh, Melissa, yeah, no, Melissa, not Melissa. Melissa. <laughs> it's Raina-Rose.com. No, I've been Raina for a little while now. <laughs> and um, I don't, did we talk about that? I know we talked about it before. But yeah, anyway, no, wait, I think we talked. The story's on the website about too about my name if you go in there. Um, as well as, you know, if you want to um, learn about the book and know about the launches and everything, feel free to reach out to me directly. Um, the, e the email is the same as the website. It's Raina at Raina-Rose.com. Um, and then you can also follow me on Instagram, which is the soul nutritionist. Awesome. And we will get that linked up for everybody and, uh, appreciate you being here. It's been, it's been a pleasure to have this conversation and connect. Yeah. So thank you. It's been, it's, thank you so much for having me. I've just really enjoyed chatting with you. Thanks. Dave. Let's go. In 05 and 06, I deployed to Kuwait. I used to wait every day for them to say, Nature going home, I missed my life, missed my wife, 15 months she was all alone, but when I got back I felt out of control, feeling entitled I put my life on hold, I keep on drinking so I'm sinking in a river of liquor, me and my wife weren't alright, I didn't reconnect with it, I had a business, insurance agent, and rental properties, but is there something bigger than this, I know there's gotta be so I invested in myself i started seeing coaches life is a camera i fixed the lens and now i see in focus now my life's unrecognizable from my life just a couple years ago 17 plus years of marriage it's never been better than this and we got three kids that's who i do it for i'm gonna be a leader i'm a leader Baby.